This podcast is brought to you by Estee Lauder Company's UK and Ireland's breast cancer campaign. The campaign helped to make the opening of Future Dreams House possible and continues to raise millions to help end breast cancer. The house offers practical and emotional support to those diagnosed with the disease. Hello, I'm Victoria Derbyshire. I was 46 years old and getting on with my busy, happy life. And I didn't really have a care in the world. And then came breast cancer. This is the second series of the podcast brought to you by the Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity. And it's for you if you've been touched by breast cancer and for everyone in your life who is affected too. Family, friends, work colleagues, the people who love you. And in today's episode, we are going to focus on those friends who you lean on when you're diagnosed. They are so important. And we're also going to talk about the fact that some friends can't cope with our diagnosis. Ladies, hello, everybody. Hello. Hello. Hi. 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 Do introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Bex, and I was diagnosed the end of 2020s when I was 36 with um, breast cancer. Um, and it was in the pen- in the pandemic, so I faced all of my treatment on my own, and and then I met Sarah, who we're going to talk to, and yeah, I'm okay now. Hello, um, I'm Sarah. I um, found a lump when I was about 41 weeks pregnant. Wow. Um, had baby, and then when she was one week old, got diagnosed with breast cancer, um, and this was in November. 2021 last year yeah god no 2020 sorry but 2020 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry um yeah and then it was all a bit bonkers and um and then I was sitting in a chemo session and met Bex and she was a mum who lived just down the road had two little girls I had three little girls and we just clicked Hi there, yes, I'm Laura, I'm 33 and I first got diagnosed uh, with breast cancer when I was only 25 back in 2014. Um, I went through all the sort of treatment, went into remission, thought that was it, thought I was on the road to recovery and then a year later I got a pain in my right shoulder and unfortunately this turned out to be cancer, had returned to the bones and at 28 I was told I had incurable uh, breast cancer um, I was, I had to sort of give up my career as a hairdresser. Basically, my life just was flipped upside down. And since, uh, so end of 2016, I've been on targeted therapy, which has uh, been working. And I'm sitting here now five years on and it's still, I'm still on those drugs. So I feel really lucky that I found something that's keeping me here. Um, But yeah, it's been an absolute roller coaster of a whirlwind and throughout last eight years I've met so many incredible people throughout um, including Nikki who we're going to obviously be talking to later yeah it's been a roller coaster of a whirlwind now there's two metaphors I've never heard put together before but I think that <laughs> describes your the, the, the sort of craziness oh yeah no I, I'm Nikki I'm 34 um, and I was diagnosed with incurable stage 4 breast cancer back in April 2018 now, which seems an absolute lifetime ago, especially in the world of secondaries. Um, Four years is a very long time. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I was going through a round of IVF with my husband. Um, I found all of the signs and symptoms of breast cancer and literally was fast tracked. So 
went to the GP, hospital, all of that jazz. Um, my IVF failed, got told I had breast cancer. And then a week later, all of the back pain I was experiencing, which the physiotherapist thought was a slip disc, was actually cancer all the way through my spine. So it was metastatic at that point. Um, and then, yeah, it was only a few few months later, I was doing a, my first ever event uh, to do with cancer and found, found my girl, Laura. Oh, hi everyone. My name's Belle. Um, I was diagnosed in 2015, uh, a routine work medical checkup. How did my life change that day? I thought I was just going from my usual, you know, yearly MOT at work. And, uh, you know, when they say those three words, you have cancer, my oh. whole world fell apart. Um, I'm like coming up to seven years now this year. So uh, I'm hoping, um, you know, it stays that way. Nikki and Laura, explain how you two met. So we actually went to an event. Um, it was off the back of a campaign, actually, that uh, there was a lot of people upset that there wasn't much inclusivity with terms of cancer patients in cancer campaigns. And there was out of about 40 of us at this event that uh, we were doing a big photo shoot, uh, there were seven of us that had cancer, uh, secondary cancer. And out of the seven of those, there was only about three of us that had breast cancer. And then me and Nikki were obviously very similar age, similar situation. Both couldn't have children, both uh, the same, yeah, say same age. And we just met and got talking and decided um, off the back of that, we, we were going to meet up and have a day out in London together and just chatted for hours and hours about everything and anything we could about cancer. And it was amazing to suddenly find someone that agreed with everything you said and actually experienced everything you said because your friends and your family who don't have cancer don't understand a lot of the nitty-gritty parts of it um mm. and, and so as yeah, I'm watching you as I'm watching you talk Laura you're all on zoom you're all joining us on zoom today and I can see Nikki smiling at everything you're saying as you remember Nikki how you met Laura and what you chatted about it is I think because Especially with with any cancer diagnosis, right? It doesn't matter whether it's breast, primary, secondary. It's probably the most terrifying, lonely experience you'll ever go through. And I'm sure all the all the other girls are smiling and nodding at me. Um, it, you get plummeted into this this world of a, a black hole, and you feel like you're the only one going through it, even though we yeah. all know that the stats are one in two. The stats are one in two for cancer over a lifetime. Yes. Not yes. not one in two for breast cancer. I don't want to alarm no. people. But oh yeah. yeah, sorry. No, one in two of us will be affected by breast or uh, with a cancer of, of yeah. some type in our lifetime. And that's mostly because we're 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 an aging population, and and we live for so much longer. It's actually to do with age. Yes. Yes, exactly. Mm. And it just it's some for some people it takes a really, really long time for not only for you to accept your diagnosis, but then to be happy to talk about it with other people. And it's only when you get to that point where you can then start talking to other people in the same boat, you start talking about the same experiences and then you can find the people that actually understand you and you realise you're not alone and there's a huge community out there. Yeah. Sarah, Bex, talk to us about how you clicked. <laughs> Um, sleepless nights and side effects, I think, were the initial, um, because we had sat and had chemo together on that day. And then obviously you get that lovely effect of the steroids keeping you awake for the whole night. Um, so to have someone that was there on the end of the phone and, you know, you send that little message, are you awake? 
<laughs> and then you get the reply, yes. yes. And then, all right, how are you feeling? What are you feeling? What's going on? No, 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 no. And to know that there was one person in the world who was going through it with me, holding my hand, literally, although we weren't in the same room, mm. we, we were sort of, we were there together and it felt fantastic to have, sorry, Bex, but you know, to someone, <laughs> sorry. I, didn't, didn't, I don't obviously want you to go through that, but to have someone that was sharing it with you made it, yeah. the, the load feel lighter. I was, it was my first chemotherapy session and I was on my own. Um, and that's because it was and COVID, I, obviously. Yeah, COVID. So yeah. I was sitting there on my own and the nurses were lush. They were all busy around. I'm a nurse myself. So I'd made little friends and we were chatting away. And, but then this girl just burst through the door, just this bang and a crash with a suitcase full of trinkets and a, a blanket, same as me. And she put the cold cap on and I just started trying it. And then all the nurses went off and did something else. So I was just like that. Hello. Hi. <laughs> and she's was very chatty too. So we just chatted for ages and ages. And actually, there's a problem and the nurses took longer than they should have done because there's something going on. So we were there for ages and she was showing me the pictures of her hair because she was on chemo number three and I was on number one and giving me some top tips, do this, do that. So we just swapped numbers just to sort of build on that. And I was just mm. so grateful to have met somebody else in the because it was we were in lockdown. Mm. So the world was shut away. Nobody in the world had cancer apart from me. But then actually there was this person who did, who was down the road with little children the same as me and wow. some friends that we had in common. So mm. then we were able to meet and go for walks and things. And I used to take my hat off and show her my patches and my hair loss. And she said, that's not too bad. Don't worry. And I go, I'm not sure, I'm not sure. She said, keep going, keep going. So yeah, it was just that somebody else in the world that ha knew how you felt. Mm. Bal, you you have a group of friends, obviously, and no doubt many of them stepped up when you received your diagnosis. Yes. As you told us earlier, it was six mm. years ago. Mm. You know, uh, your son was 15 at the time, I think I'm right in that's saying. A, that's right. You, working in the city. Mm -hmm. But actually there was a friend who you would have thought would have been there for you. Yeah. And, yeah. and they weren't. Yeah, it was... Uh, it was quite, um, because you're going through hell anyway, that's the word I use. Um, I just, you know, you have expectation where you, when you think, you know, your good friends will step up. Yes, many did. Many did. And I am forever grateful to them. But this one in particular was extra close. And, uh, you know, I was quite devastated because I've just, I just got as if someone just flicked the switch off and I couldn't switch the switch back on with her. And, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it was heartbreaking for me because, you know, you've gone through the surgery, you've gone through the chemo, you've gone through radiotherapy. And, you know, um, being an Asian woman is a real stigma in our community. And uh, when I lost my You mean my hair, with, with, in terms of having breast cancer? Uh, not just breast cancer. I think, I think the C word, actually. Just the right. C word altogether. Okay. They just, um, you know, they just want to sort of kill you off before you've had a chance to, you know... You know, fight. I don't like using the word fight, but, you know, you've had the chance to, you know, get through all the treatments and, you know, live well and beyond and don't be defined by it. But my that particular friend, um, I felt really let down. It really did bring me down into a very dark place. And uh, it took it took a while for me to come to terms with it. And uh, you know what? Move on. That's why mm. I say. And, you know, in, the, in your hour of need, it's something my mum used to say to me, uh, in your hour of need, you will know who is there for you. 
Yeah, that is true, definitely. So many people stepped yeah. up and came yeah. out to support me and I, mm. and so I had so much support and send off every chemo and food hampers and things. But I had one person who did, didn't step up. And actually I asked them a few times, could they come and help me? And they didn't. And I called them out on it and I, and we did have a very honest conversation about it. And I think she just struggled. She didn't know what to say. So she thought she just mm. would yeah. keep her distance. Do you think they, do you think they get scared? I think sometimes they, yeah. they don't know, like you said, you, they don't know what to say, but it's like, you've only got, they've only got to say, you know, uh, or just give you a hug. They don't even need to say anything. Mm. They can just hold your hand. I think that just goes a long way when you're going through this. I think, like you said, Belle, it's the, it's the them being scared. They don't know what to say, so they don't say anything at all because they're worried they'll make it worse or, mm-hmm. you know, upset you or do something wrong. And so they think, well, if I don't say anything, I can't do anything wrong. Um, uh, and unfortunately, that's, that, that's the worst way to do it, you know, because... But you, uh, but you know what gets me is that the friends I thought were, wouldn't step up did. So mm-hmm. I didn't know how they dealt with it. Yeah. I, it, it, it seems a bit strange. Friends from from quite a long time ago that I haven't been in touch with for quite a yeah. while, um, just came, some some came out of the woodwork and some were just absolutely amazed. People that you wouldn't expect it from mm. really stepped up, and mm. it, it you know, and then others like you say just disappear and don't do anything. And mm. yeah, I didn't I didn't um, put it on Faceache um, for quite oh, sorry Facebook <laughs> uh, for quite a while because I wanted to be able to process it myself first. Um, but then when I did feel brave enough to put it out there, actually, it was quite lovely, some of the responses I had. And that, but then again, other people where you think, well, you know now, why haven't you said anything? Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's just funny, isn't it? I hid away, actually. Did you? I wanted to just hide. And I'm mm. quite, a, quite a strong woman. You know, I'm quite, you know, working in the corporate world, it, it makes you a bit like that. And uh, But even me, that I have that weakness, I just wanted to, I said to my husband when I was diagnosed, I said, I don't want to tell anybody. Anyway, mm-hmm. you, can't, you can't do that because we're a very close-knit family. He goes, they'll be around here next week. You will not be able to get away with it. He goes, I'll tell them. And then it, when it stuck in, I thought, no, it's my news. I want to tell them. Mm-hmm. I was and, the I did, and I did it, yeah. I was the opposite. Yeah. I wanted to tell everybody because yeah, I wanted weird, everybody to check their boobs. I wanted them. I just couldn't believe it happened to me. Like, so then I thought, well, it could happen to everybody. I, you know, suddenly mm-hmm. there was this world I was in. So I set up an Instagram page and I shared my story and I, you know, did lots of events and things and shouted it from the rooftops and asked everybody to ask me how I was and asked me how, what I could do to help them things. And even like last night I had somebody message me, oh, I've got this lump, you know, or my sister's, been diagnosed and I'm sort of helping other people now which mm. which I didn't have the strength to do at the beginning but I do now so I feel like that's a real positive thing that's come from it but right at the beginning I didn't know anybody so I just thought if I put myself out there people will find me the or community. I'll find somebody and like I yeah. saw Nikki yeah. and Laura and I sort of saw their stories and that helped me because I was like okay they're they're doing okay they look fabulous I'll be all right mm. and just getting through it day by day but yeah sharing my story and telling everybody and talking about it was how I got stronger and sort of dealt with it, definitely. I think my counsellor, I think my counsellor did. Um, she, uh, as she sort of uh, supported me throughout my chemo, I think that made me come out and talk mm. about things. And then when I went back to work after 15 months, uh, we have like, you know, the social media as, as in, in, you know, one of the large corporates. And they said, would you like to share your story internally? 
and that's that's the start of things and now I talk about it mm. I shout from the rooftops now don't don't we all People must get so bored of us. Um, let me ask, I want to ask Nikki and Laura, I mean, really unusual um, the way you met. You know, you talked about how many people were there for that photo shoot, how many were, had breast cancer, how many had secondaries, not many. How many were your age? Uh, Nikki and Laura, are you exactly the same age? Six months apart. Right, so six, yeah. months, six apart. months older than me, yeah. Yeah. Shh, don't tell so, people that. <laughs> so un, un, unusual enough, all those circumstances, but then to find someone who's, broadly speaking, going through exactly the same scenario as yourself, how important do you think that was for you, Nikki? It's just rare. It's just, it's so rare. I think, I, I mean, I know, I know Laura agrees with me. I remember when I was diagnosed and I went into my cancer centre, which is an incredible centre. I, I can't fault them. I sat down in, in the waiting area and everyone looked at me as if I was the patient's sister or daughter. Mm. Driver, and when, yeah. and when I was called, everyone looked in complete shock. They were like, well, hang on a minute. She, how, she's not the one with cancer. Yeah. And, it, and, it's, and it's horrific. And I mean, I'm very, very lucky. I get treated on a teenage and young adult cancer ward. So everyone on my ward is under the age of 30. Shh, don't tell anyone that I'm over 30 now because they'll kick me <laughs> off. But it's been, it's been invaluable. And I, and I get messages from people all the time going, God, I wish I had that. I'm 34 and there's, like, everyone on my mm. ward is over 50. Mm, and so to, yeah. to meet someone at an event who's literally my age was wanting to like literally everything that we were going through is exactly yeah. the same. I was like, this just doesn't happen. This doesn't happen. Can I stick up for over 50s? <laughs> we are actually, we are actually young at heart. Okay, I take, I, t- I absolutely take your point, Nikki. Laura, can you? I want, I want to ask you all this, and Bal, I'll ask you about the friends that did step up for you. I want you to think of, and there'll be so many moments, but I want you to pinpoint one, one moment. It doesn't matter if it was day or night, when your friend was absolutely a kind of lifesaver for you. Oh gosh, there's so many, but I remember just in the early days, um, one that crops up is I think I was on my first uh, round of chemotherapy and I didn't really know what to expect. And one of my friends had popped round because she thought I'll come around for a bit. And I remember um, she had to just sit there holding my hair back while I was throwing up in the toilet. And I just forever just think that is what a friend is there for. They're the Mm. ones that don't care what you look like. They don't, they're not coming around to, you know, have a nice chat. They're coming to look after you. And I think that's really special. Um, You know, I've had other occasions where friends have come into hospital and I haven't known that they're coming and they've literally just turned up because they've seen, I've put on Instagram, I'm in today for having treatment. Next minute, they're at the door, literally sat there with a cup of tea with me because they've just popped around and I love that. And it's so great to have. But I think with the same as the other girls, like I have definitely found over the years, I have lost friends. I have gained friends, but I would say now my friendship community around me is huge and far, far Mm. better than what I had prior to this because the friends I have are actually really special. And I'd say 50% of those I've met from having cancer. Sarah, pick, pick me a moment. Think of one moment that you would highlight. Oh my goodness. Um, When uh, I, on my lamp anniversary, as I call it, um, Bex turned up at my door with a bag containing flowers and chocolates and treats because she just knew that I was going to be feeling just not myself and struggling. 
Mm. Um, so much had happened in that first year and I hadn't had a, hadn't had the time to process any of it because of having baby and everything else. And, you know, you just get your head down, you get on with it and you tick the boxes. What's the next treatment? Right. Do it, mm. do it, do it. Um, but baby now being a bit older, everything being a little calmer, you know, the, all the anniversary stuff for me, I found really hard. I found it knocked me back quite a lot. Mm. And Bex just knew and turned up and was there. So thanks, love. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say, Bex? Um, oh, there's so many times Sarah's saved me, but probably I've really struggled with radiotherapy. I did 10 sessions of radio right <laughs> at the end. And I feel like it was, I was so ready to just put it behind me and get on with it. And everyone was saying to me, oh, radiotherapy is easy, but you've, you've done the chemo, you do the radiotherapy. But I was just so tired by then and I hated, I hated radiotherapy. I felt so poorly and I felt so low and I'm still on my own and I was waiting hours and hours every day. And then the last radiotherapy, I walked down the corridor and there was this music playing that, you know, that um, Sarah Bareilles fight song. I think it's, oh, she Rachel, no, 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 I don't. Fight song. Oh, yes, 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 I do. <laughs> I don't think it's her. So that was playing really loud. And then I came around the corner to the dreaded machine, my worst one. And there was a big balloon saying something rude to cancer and a bottle of champagne and some chocolates and all my favorite radiotherapy girls were crying and I, they were like you did it you did it you did it and Sarah had set that up and then they, all the timings had changed and I was late going on but she'd sorted it to make sure that when I walked into my last radiotherapy to finish my active treatment I ended on a high and that was so oh. good because I didn't have anybody with me again nobody could come and ring a bell with me nobody could sort of do anything to say you finished your active treatment you smashed it but Sarah did. So that was really, really good. That was a really, really special moment, definitely. So, you so guys, you're going to set me off. I know. <laughs> That's how I feel. I've had to take my glasses off because I'm going to start wiping my eyes. Gosh. Oh, we that's just beautiful. did a we just did a ball. We did an event. We raised some money, uh, just a little bit of money, and um, twenty thousand mainly. Twenty thousand. Wow. Wow. Yeah. wow. Um, we did a ball, and we great. did a, we did a speech, and I was determined to thank Sarah for being so important, but not cry. So I have mm. been practicing all this sort of emotional okay. stuff. So yeah, sorry <laughs> about that, guys. <laughs> and Nikki, what would you say? Think of them just oh, one God. moment. It's so hard, isn't it, to pick just one moment because mm-hmm. there are there are, hun- there are hundreds of them. <clears throat> um, but I think probably the one the one that sticks out the most to me that was the most probably the most horrific point where I was complete and utter rock bottom was mm. the day after I was diagnosed and I'd been admitted to A and E because my spinal cord and all of that jazz. It was all, all very scary. I got put up onto the ward and one of my I didn't know anyone was coming to see me. I didn't tell anyone. And uh, my friend just turned up and she walked into the ward, into my room and went, well, you're being a bit dramatic now, aren't you? If you just wanted some attention, you should have just said something. And it was, do you know what? And people say like, oh my God, that's horrific. But at that moment, it was exactly what I needed. I needed Mm. someone to cut the tension. I needed someone to make me laugh. And I Mm. laughed. And it was the first time that you know, all of this was going mm. on and she just lifted that bubble off of my head and it was oh. just what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. Bal, what would you say in terms of a, a, a good moment? Um, actually, it's quite, it's a bit of a weird one, actually. Um, I think I was on my fourth chemo and, I'm, and you know, they change you over to the next lot of drugs. Mm. Um, so I was feeling sorry for myself because it was my birthday. 
and I was oh going to go into have chemo. And uh, hence, I was so upset. I was distraught. Oh. And what happened? My team at work, my my leaders and that CEO, there was eight of them, they got on the video call to me. They put, they go, put your camera on. I went, oh, no, I've had to go and put my wig on then. And they go, well, do your wig on or just come as it is, you know. Mm. And uh, so they got on and they said, okay, what chemo number is this? I went, number four and it's hell. And they went, just think of it as the races, like the file, you, you're halfway to the furlong. You're going to be, you know, every chemo, they used to do this video call to me and say, oh. you're on the final furlong. It's a race and you're winning that race. And before I, you know, when I come off the video, the doorbell went, there was chocolates, there was flowers oh. and they put it on oh, pause. And when they back, when, they, when I went back on the video, they were like all laughing, joking. Oh. They went... You didn't expect that, did you, Belle? They go, oh, see, so we're one thoughtful. step ahead of you. Yeah, so yeah. I thought that was a that was a huge. It was loads of moments from other mm. friends as well. Yeah. But that was a huge moment. I was so emotional. I want to ask you, Belle. You you described the friend who didn't step up. You said it was like a, a light switch had been flicked off. Yeah. But I'm guessing you didn't know like that. That friends ghosted me. That must have been over a period of time, was it? Well, th- the thing is, uh, while. <laughs> While I was somewhere, I'm not going to say where I was. Yeah, yeah, While yeah. I was somewhere, it was great, fantastic. Um, she almost sort of, because she was little, quite a bit younger than me. A lot of my friends are younger than me. I don't know why. I don't know why. I, I tend to click. Not, I, I've got older friends as well, but I tend to click a lot with un, younger friends as well. And she was like uh, probably about 10, 15 years younger than me. Um, and I, she almost looked at me as a mother. And I always used to, because she was like early on in her career and everything, I, you know, I sort of, um, you know, she sort of hung on to me and then she became friendship. And then, you know, when it was birthdays, Christmas, going out together, dinners, everything. But as I got diagnosed, it was like I was doing all the running Mm. and she was taking the back step. But I asked as well, but she sort of blanked me, stopped asking my phone calls and then, then oh, you, you know, there's only so much you can do. Totally. Mm. Only totally. so yeah. much. Then, yeah. uh, then you know, but that, it's, but about, that is, it's kind of brutal, though. If someone's not taking mm, your calls uh, and you've just been diagnosed with cancer. Mm, it's letting go. Mm. It, I find that the most yeah. crucial about letting go because two of my other friends who were friends with her as well, they try to ask her. They go, has Belle done something wrong? Tell her because she wants to know because she's mm. going through hell anyway. And uh, they said uh, she cut them off as well. Okay. It's I really strange. And part of me wants to know just for my own satisfaction. Mm. But now, you know, I've got to the stage now. I've got so many good friends. Of Some people just can't handle it, can they? Mm. Just can't handle being... I, that's, what, that's what I put it down to, but I will never know. Yeah. I no. will never know. It's sad. But I suppose you have to take that decision or try to take that decision to concentrate yeah. on the people who love you. Yeah, because yeah. The, way, the way I look at it, I look at life after cancer, and I think many people do as well, uh, I look at it through a different lens. What's more important to me? 100%. <laughs> I come yeah. first now. My <laughs> yeah. poor husband, he gets it in the next. I come first. I said, you're at the bottom. I'll come first. <laughs> I, I mean, let, let's just explore this a bit more life after cancer, because for Laura and mm. Nikki, it's a different life after cancer because it's not really after cancer. But but you said, Nikki, absolutely 100 percent or whatever you just said. I, I yeah. something about your approach has changed. Tell, tell me about that. Oh, your whole world changes when you get mm. diagnosed with cancer. So the, everyone, the, the rose colour glasses get thrown off mm. and 
smashed on the ground. I think you you have this appreciation for how much we take life for granted. Totally, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, just it, it. Well, sorry to jump in there, Nikki, but just no, no. For, for me, it has made things so much clearer. Life is short, really short, and every moment is precious, and everything should be enjoyed, and everything is valuable. And if there are friends who, you know, it's it's the sinks and radiators. There are friends who are going to radiate <laughs> positivity. And, I love and that one. I, I use this all the time. Go on. People, I, people it's, support it's you. It's radiators yeah. and dreams in my world. <laughs> but, 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 you know, you, you realise where you're putting the energy into, you know, and people are going to give it back to you and, and feed off it and you feed off each other and it's fantastic and it's brilliant. And then you kind of look back at, maybe previous relationships, friendships, whatever, and just think, oh my goodness, how much energy did I put into that? And mm. it was just being drained away, sapped away. And from that clarity that comes with cancer means that you just go, get stuffed, little yeah. miss, little <laughs> miss drain, little <laughs> miss drain. Change, well don't they? they do. And anyone that isn't going to just say, come on, let's go and yeah. do the bonkers thing. Let's go <laughs> and live life. Let's go and have fun. Let's just do it which Bex is just the best at that obviously, <laughs> by the way, you know. she is she is so honestly little miss positivity is just just but but you know and other people the clarity it makes you open your eyes it makes you see it makes you enjoy um and just it's, it's the it. silly bit, little things as well like the color of the sky the amount of times I'll be out on a walk with my husband and I'll go and I'll just stop and I'll just look up and I'll be like my god look at that sky look at, how stunning that sky yeah. is today and he's like it's just a sky Nick and I'm like yeah but look at it and like people don't understand that and I think until you go through a trauma mm-hmm. a lot of people don't and it, you, you know, notice you yeah, do you notice, notice everything, don't you? Everything. Because if, yeah. if someone said to you that's going to be the last time you might see that sky, exactly, you want to look at it. You get yeah. it. You look you know. at it. You feel it. You see it, and it you know it really sticks. And you it's, feel it. That's so important. What you've just said. I don't know about you guys, but I feel everything so much more now. Oh yes. Mm. Every emotion is heightened by mm. a thousand percent, and it's you take so much more joy from the things that you probably took joy from before, but you absorb that joy and that, and you hold on to that energy for so much more. And it's so mm-hmm. much more precious to you now than it ever was before. Bearing in mind what, how you've just described your approach and not taking anything for granted, Laura and Nikki, has that, um, has that helped you rationalise the fact that you can't have children or, or have you not rationalised that? It's, it's, it's a real hard, hard one. one. Yeah. I think I, again, me and Nick have spoken quite heavily about this situation. And, you know, every time a friend of mine announces they're pregnant or, you know, they have a baby, I want to be that person that's jumping for joy, but I can't because you always get this kind of, this sinking feeling of like, that should be me. I want that. But on the same breath, I also look at them and go, if I had children now, I wouldn't be able to do half the things I can do. And obviously my husband and I, we sort of made that decision that things like surrogacy, you know, we could have potentially gone down that route, but he doesn't want to leave a child without a mother in that situation. Like obviously if you've had mm. children pre-cancer, it's slightly different, but mm. but by knowing we're going into that. So it, it, you have to look at those things to be able to comprehend the fact you can't have children because otherwise it would just eat you up the whole time. If you try and 
think of the sort of other reasons like I can just go on holiday when I want for example there's other things in my life I try and compensate for not having kids with um my dogs are my children now yeah, I was going to say we're very we both have fur babies. Um, fur we are babies. both very very blessed that we have a lot of people in our life that have children who we are Auntie Nick and Auntie Laura too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we treat those children as if they are our own. So mm. you know, and we have friends. Both of our friends, I know both of our sets of friends, are extremely supportive with us, and they understand where we are with with how we feel with about children. And yeah. they allow us to take that role very, very seriously. And I, I'm like, I can't thank my friends enough for that. Yeah. No, and I remember when my sister, my sister um, got pregnant the first time. She's now actually due for her second. But she phoned me up and wanted to talk to me properly about it because she knew that it would affect me. She didn't want to just sort yeah. of, she didn't want to phone me up and it was all happy and exciting. She was really actually cautious about how I was going to take the news. And I felt that was really nice because they were realizing actually it was going to be hard it was going to be something that I would find quite difficult so I think it's not something that ever gets easier and I think it's just something like with everything we've had to learn to accept so much with living with this you know incurable diagnosis the fact that we're not going to grow old the fact we're not going to be here probably to see our 40th and 50th birthdays so it's just part of that it's part of the accepting to live for today to just be grateful that we're still here now. All of you are so, so kind of such brilliant speakers. I feel like you could be politicians. You could be <laughs> out there, you know? I really oh, do. No, oh, no. Oh, Victoria, I'll give it a go. <laughs> don't, don't say that. Oh, you can go and be, take over from Boris. Might do a better job. Oh, please do. Sorry. <laughs> You'll have to cut that bit. <laughs> no, 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 no. Listen, um, I always ask, irrespective of what um, subject we're talking about, I always ask everybody for a little bit of advice at the end. So if we bear in mind that today has been about friendship, let me ask, ask each of you, Bex, if I may start with you, for people listening, and remember it's not just people who've been diagnosed with breast cancer, it's their family and friends and mums and dads and what, what, what have you who are listening. What is your advice to someone when a friend doesn't step up? I think it's just opening up the communication and trying to understand how the other person must feel. So if you're the person who's been diagnosed with breast cancer, then you just feel so lonely and you and everybody around you is saying, let me know what I can do. Let me know what I can do. Let me know what I can do. And sometimes your brain can't even think what you need for them to do. So I struggled with that. I, when people arrived at my door and were doing things and bringing things, that was helpful to me. When people asked me, that was another thing I had to think about with my totally brain that agree. wasn't working. Totally agree. Yeah. And then too much choice. I, yeah. <laughs> too much choice, too much, to, too much to do. And my husband asked me a hundred times a day things to do. <laughs> so, and then when you, ha I had, when you have friends who you specifically ask and they don't follow through, they don't, they don't step up, then I would say, call them out on it and then move on because don't focus on that negative. There's so many people yeah. who are at your door mm. to help you. Don't focus on the ones that didn't come. I know it's hard and it's disappointing because you, it's that sort of, you've got so much other, uh, so many other things you're grieving for. Um, your, your freedom, your hair, your social life, your every, you know, what's coming on. You don't need another thing to grieve for. And if, if they're not there, are they worth it? 
Um, sorry to sound so harsh, but you know, <laughs> no, it's no. that clarity thing. We're straight, totally straight, talk, straight talking on this podcast. Just, sorry, who said yeah. they totally agree? Me. I did, yeah. It's just. I think you know, life. Like we've said before, life is so short, and our energy is so precious. And when you're putting your energy into those wrong pots, and you're not getting it back, it's 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 draining on the life force that we are, that we have, right? And it is brutal, but we don't have time for people that aren't going to be there for us. Mm. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not, I hate to say it, they're just, they're not worth it. And, and it may be that they regret their decision and wish they had changed it. Then great, come back, just talk. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, we, I'm sorry, if you expect us to go around chasing you, we don't have the energy for it. <laughs> we have got to put the energy into ourselves, taking care of ourselves, looking after ourselves. Um, one of the loveliest things a friend did for me is she gave me a little notebook on an, on every page of that notebook. She wrote a positive comment or even just some song lyrics from Pink. Or you know, it, she, she, she was the other other side of the country. She couldn't come visit, but she gave me a little notebook. So when it was really dark, I could flick through the pages, look for some positivity, look for something or jokes. There were really daft jokes in there, but they were brilliant when I just needed a pick me up. You don't yeah. have to spend money. You don't have to turn up at their door necessarily. Mm. You don't have to be on the phone every five minutes. Small things mean a lot, mm. whether it's just a note, whether it's a lasagna made and dropped off, yeah. Yeah. cookies. Or just or a hug. A hug. Yeah. Yeah. An, yeah. Ear, an ear to listen, an ear mm. to listen. It doesn't you, even need to be a physical thing, does it? It yeah. just could be sometimes we just need to sit and cry and scream and rant and be oh woe me. Let us do that. Let don't we don't we don't need this. Oh, you'll be fine. You're going to fight it. You're going to pull through. We don't need to hear that. No, we just no. need we need someone to understand that the situation sucks. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and, and and we just want that acknowledged. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, can't, it can't always we be fixed. It doesn't need to be fixed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want advice. Yeah, you yeah. don't want people to be judgmental because mm. it's not about them. It's about you. And they need to, you know they need to learn. You need a friend that's going to put you there and, and like you say, not necessarily do anything for you. They might sit and my friend used to just come and sit down on my sofa and watch TV while I slept. So mm. for some people they might think, oh, what's the point of that? But there is a point of that. Yeah. yeah. Of course. Yeah. I, knew, I knew deep down someone was there for me. Yeah. And if you don't know there. what to say as a friend, mm. say that. Say, yes. I'm really yeah. sorry to Talk. hear this, but I don't, and I don't know what to say. I would yeah. say the, saying the wrong that, thing is better than saying nothing, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Say the wrong thing, at least you can kind of show you're trying. Yeah. yeah. I, th I think the communication channels, I think my friend, one of my other friends, she used to come round and she used to prance around in my wig. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I love used, it. But she used to laugh. She used to just do it to make me laugh. Yeah. Where, I, yeah. where I used to sit there and cry and thinking I'm never going to get through this. She used to go, oh, so I'm in a really dark place. I can't see the light. And she used to come downstairs, get my wig and she used to, I used to have two. She used to walk around the thing and my son thinking, oh, my God, what kind of friends my mum got? <laughs> but it, I, it, was, it made me laugh, but it, it was just yeah. one. It's just the yeah. tonic that I needed. Yeah. yeah. I have to say, I do think that what you said then, Sarah, about if people don't know what to say, then actually just articulating that mm. is mm. really helpful, actually. Mm. And, and it's just people being honest. But to actually say it out loud... I really don't know what to say. Mm. That's cool. We can cope with that, can't we? Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah, yeah, that's I actually had a yes, friend. Yes. Yeah, yes. One of my yes. one of my closest friends who I thought a bit like we I know the other girls have said this already, you would think would know exactly how to handle the situation, completely crumbled and had no idea what to do. Mm. And I remember he it was it was that, you know, that sort of like um staring to headlights, it was just like, oh, I don't know what to do. And I, I just said to him, I was like, It's okay, you can ask me questions. Yeah. Mm. Let, let's talk about it. Like, what do you want to know? And it was yeah. and he just didn't know how to break down that initial you know, what do I do? How do I fix it? It was all, how do I make her feel better? I didn't need any of that. He just needed to understand. Yeah. And then we laughed about it and it was fine again. But, and, and again, going back to, you know, friends that don't step up sometimes, like we've said before, they're scared or they don't know how to step up. And so sometimes it, and it, unfortunately the responsibility does fall on our shoulders when it shouldn't at a time when it really, really shouldn't. But with some people, we, it is us that has to just break down that, that brick and, yeah. and open yeah. the door. Yeah. Mm. okay ladies well done thank you some um, some incredible advice there and just you know genuine openness from you all I'm really really grateful um and then came breast cancer is brought to you by the future dreams breast cancer charity if you'd like more information do go to their website you can contact me at any time on tiktok uh, instagram or twitter this is a six foot six and factory originals production Thank you very much for listening. And thank you mostly to you four women. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank, thank, you. thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity hopes you found this podcast helpful. We fund awareness, support and research. If you would like to help us do more, please text We Care to 7500 to make a £5 donation or visit our website at futuredreams.org.uk forward slash donate. Future Dreams Breast Cancer Charity will receive 100% of your donation. Text cost your donation plus one standard rate text message, UK only. Always get the bill payer's permission. We would like to contact you on your mobile phone with news and updates. If you would rather opt out, then please add no info to the end of your message. For example, we care, no info. Thank you again for listening.